Hi, I'm Sien Xiao. And I'm Sammy Winemaker. We talk to people who have information and tips on how to unlock a better illness experience. The waiting room revolution starts right now. Okay, welcome back to the waiting room revolution. I'm very excited. Today we have Nishi Duport from London, United Kingdom with us. She is the creator of the Cancer Support Net. Um, it's an Instagram account that provides support for people living with cancer. Also an author of the book, Cancer Diagnosis, What You Are Not Told. And I'm so glad you're here to chat with us. Welcome to the podcast, Nishi. Thanks for having me. So Nishi, just to introduce yourselves to our listeners, can you tell us more about your story, particularly like how you were caring for your mom with cancer? Yes, so um, my mum was diagnosed with non-small cell lung cancer in November 2018. Um, we, she'd been to the doctors and she'd, she'd been misdiagnosed um, for a couple of years prior to it. Um, and then when she went in for her one of the last ultrasounds that she went in for, um, we had a feeling that she was going to be diagnosed with cancer just because all, all of the symptoms were there. Um, and when she come back from getting her results and she told us what the what the diagnosis was, we wasn't surprised. So straight from um, the the off when we was informed of what it was that she had, my role was to kind of kick into action and to become that researcher um, and find out what the options were. Um, some of the GPs and the doctors that we have dealt with haven't had the best bedside manner um, and haven't really given us the best sources of information or provided us with the um the care and consideration that we would have expected um so our, the initial consultation that we went along with uh, went along with our mum to see the oncologist um you could see that she was very much in tune with not wanting to hear what we had to say she just was very matter of fact kind of like you're dying um we don't really there's not much else that we can do you're gonna to have to listen to us go for the chemo and that's it so we have we didn't have the best oncologist from the start um so i took it on on myself to go out there get a second opinion which i feel that everyone should have um and find out what treatments are available for my mum whether that is in western medicine or alternative therapies just so that we can kind of have that whole get the whole picture and understand what we can or can't do so I'm part of a, a little network. So we've got me and my stepfather, my sister and, we, and my auntie, and we all rally around and come up with various bits of information. And we provide that caring support system for my mum. And how is your mum doing now? So she's doing quite well. Um, as I mentioned earlier, she she was diagnosed um, two and a half years ago. She was given 12 to 18 months to live um, with a non-small cell lung cancer diagnosis. It had metastasized to her lymph nodes, her other lung, her collar um, and I think it was eight months after initial diagnosis we were told that she had brain mets um, so given the general prognosis she's doing quite well um, she's still able to do you normal everyday things um, look after the grandkids she's a little bit wobbly on her feet but in general I think that she's um, she's coping really well with the situation and I think she's accepting um, her diagnosis more and more every day that's amazing and it reminds me so much of a typical cancer journey where you get the news and you have to go into research mode and then you have to figure out how that fits in with your own, you know, beliefs and your own culture and your own sort of questions of things that 
you know, of how you want to feel whole and feel better. And then just, you know, and then having to crash into the healthcare system and fit into their, into the way they do things. I'm just curious, like, how would you describe, you know, in, in terms of like how, how you felt like the emotion of this journey? Like, do you have, I guess, sort of emotionally, has it like, what are the ways you would describe this journey? It's been it's been it's been insane um, because you it's one of those situations and and this happens all throughout life things happen to you and you always think it's what's going to happen to other people and not you it's not going to affect you and your immediate family um, for us to be told that my mum had stage four lung cancer and she had eighteen months to live kind of crushed us all um, I'm the youngest of five I've always been incredibly close to my mum so my 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 world just shattered so it was a matter of you can't I couldn't show that to my mum because. I've got to be the strong one or I've got to kind of give her the information and say, look, there is hope or give her the, the options that are available. So it, it was, um, it's been an incredible journey, but at the same time as it being completely heartbreaking and bittersweet, it's kind of opened all of our eyes up to the beauty of life and trying to make us draw little bits of inspiration from wherever we can to kind of appreciate what we, what we have as a family and what my mum has experienced. So it's just trying to flip, flip all of uh, the negativity into the positivity. And, and try and try and work the best with what you've got. This, the, so much of what you're saying reminds me of some of the things we talked about in our podcast. I know you've listened. What have you, have you, has it been helpful for you? What do you think about it overall? I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I've really, uh, I've really, really um, appreciated listening to, to you guys in your podcast. I think one of the ones that stuck out to me was the story of Two Roads. Um and I think that's because I've always been incredibly positive and hopeful. However, I've always tried to be realistic about my mum's diagnosis. And I've always tried to encourage my mum and family to also remain realistic and grounded. Even though you've got that little glimmer of hope and you hear those miracle stories, you've kind of always got to have that objective perspective where you say, look, we can, you could be that miracle, but let's be realistic and we can try our best, but inevitably it may not work out how we want it to work out. So, um, it, it, it's uh, the story of two roads and all, all the podcasts that I've heard in relation to that has just has really hit home for us. And I sent it along to my sister and my stepdad and asked them to have a listen to it as well, just so they, because a lot of the time they just hear what I'm saying and they're not really doing their own research. So I thought that was great for them to listen to. I wondered if you felt like there were, besides Walk Two Roads, are there other episodes that really stood out? I'm thinking, you know, as a family, like Ripple Effects is just recognizing how important you are in this journey. It's not just your mum, it's you and your whole in the family. Yeah, it's affected us all completely. Um, it's changed all of our lives. It's flipped everyone's lives upside down. It's changed how we think, how we feel, how we treat each other, how we view things. So yeah, definitely the ripple effect, it, it definitely kicks in as well. I've gone through um, the podcast and in each and every one that I've come across, I've found something that you go, that really hits the nail on the head and it really hits home. And I think that it's a great thing that you guys are doing because you can take bits and bobs from all of your podcasts and every single person going on this journey can relate to something. I mean, I listened to the end of the end of life podcast that you have, and that was really, really interesting and planning for the end because I've actually covered um, a chapter in my book is all about planning for the end and just making sure that in the initial stage when you are healthy and you're well enough to make those decisions that you do make them. And they are done. And then you can get on with the rest of your life. You totally hit the nail on the head. That is the message that we've been trying to get at. It's about living. And it's not about, you know, dwelling in the sadness of, of like you said, it is a, it's always a sad 
part to lose someone you love or to journey with them or to know that there is an end to something that is wonderful, but it does make you have to appreciate what you have. I'm curious, you, you just talked about that sort of, a, you know, knowing when time is running out chapter, you know, episode that we did. And did you ever get introduced to this idea of palliative care? And if so, you know, what was your sort of, was there stigma around it? Did your family um, not want this? Like what was just, what has your experience been with this term palliative care in this journey? Um, I think, I'm not too sure if it's all over the UK, but I think with our oncology team, it's um, it's a matter of you've got an end of life diagnosis and the palliative care team are there to to kind of work with you at the very end. And that was kind of it. My mum was given a leaflet and, and details of a hospice. So we was kind of left wondering what this means. Um, and I think a lot of people assume that palliative care is just for people on death's door. Um, when in reality, what we've learned is it's actually a place where you can go and you can get advice, you can get help. Um, they provide you support, support, they give you a break if you need a break. Um, in the UK, it, I know one of the hospices that my mum is in, um, they provide various treatments. So they will give you acupuncture and massage. You know, it, there, there's so many different things that I think they cover off that is just not what you would expect from palliative care. And it's not what we're told. So the, the, the stigma surrounding it is shocking, really, and the misunderstandings, because there's so much involved in palliative care. And it's not just you are, you're going to die next week and you're going to go into the hospice and they're going to give you medication. They're, they're an actual massive support mechanism for the person going through this this time in their life. So the stigma, like, it is, there's so much stigma around it and it is completely misunderstood. Yeah, that's a big part of the mission of our podcast, to modernize this idea of palliative care so that people can get access to the approach and philosophy earlier. And we use the metaphors and the seven skills, all of that's in plain language, trying to be as accessible and acceptable to people wherever they are in their journey. And we are really tried not to make it scary language. I think it's incredibly important. Um, and I think that it's also down to personality. So I have, I have a different kind of personality to, um, I don't know, let's just say eight out of 10 people. So I've managed to go inside and kind of take control and do the research. But then there's so many people that just don't have, it's not necessarily that they don't have the skill set, but a lot of the people will not have the knowledge or the ability to go out there and seek that information. So what you guys are doing is so incredibly beneficial because you're giving them the information and kind of teaching them from the get-go exactly how they should be doing, um, how they can kind of live on this journey and, and get to the end of this journey. Um, and reach out and get those best bits. Because for me, I'm, I mean, I'm a list person. I went through a, as soon as I got my mum's diagnosis and written that list and, and kind of tackled it. But I, I tackle things head on. Whereas you've got the likes of my sister who's in our unit and she would never have done that. She might have done a little bit of research, but she would have just went along to the, the, um, the appointments and taken notes. And she would, have done, she would have done her own research and had her own outlook on it, but it would have been different to mine. So 100% so important to be able to provide this information to pe people and everyone out there going through this because a lot of people are just not aware of the resources that are there or what they are allowed to do or what they are allowed to ask or what they can mix with chemo I mean there's so many things that they just don't know and they're not told I mean in the book there's also a, a, a small section on um, nutrition so the majority of oncologists they do not discuss nutrition with their patients and when we went to one of my mum's appointments and I, I asked the oncologist, I said, so what do we do nutrition wise? Where, where are we at? What do we do? She said, go home, get your affairs in order, 
have a glass of wine. And I think, you know what, if you're trying to relax, you're fine. But for me, I think that what she should have covered was you've got to completely reboost your whole immune system because if you're going to do chemo or you're going to go through all this intrusive, um, to put lots of intrusive toxins in your body, your body has to be as strong as possible. But she kind of just said, look, get a takeaway, have a glass of wine. And I think that we're so misinformed by the majority of people out there. Um, it's scary. So it's so important to, for all of us to give patients or, or caregivers as much information as possible, because even though it is out there, it's not a lot of the time it's not as accessible as one would think it is, um, or it's not all in the right place, or it's mind boggling, or it's written by a doctor. So people like myself or my family would look at it and be completely thrown off by it. Yeah, we do find that sometimes people ask questions and get shut down by the healthcare providers. And we encourage people to stay persistent. Um, did you ever feel resistance or stigma when you were asking about nutrition and alternative medicine options to complement the westernized medical approach? Yeah. Um, so, as you know, given the a little bit of background that I, I've provided, our, my mum's oncologist. Um, she doesn't really like tweaking what she's doing or having. I don't think she knows enough um, about alternative medicine or nutrition, so she sticks with what she's been taught um but what we've done what i found was an integrated cancer oncologist um, and a specialist who has been able to work with my mum and look at her medication and then she's been able to fit different things in to make sure that it's not going to counter in interact should i say with the medication that she's on um, and that's another thing a lot of people are not aware that these integrated oncologists exist and i just think where why why are normal oncologists not informing their patients that you know what, it may not cure their cancer, but it might give them that little bit of boost or it might help them along the way or um, help with their mindset or there's so many different things that it can it can change for the cancer sufferer that you're not told. And I just genuinely feel that they should, there should be a different, there should, have, should be an extra module when you're going through your um, your oncology degree or whatever it is that you're doing, which allows you to immerse yourself in alternative therapies just so you can give the whole all-round picture to your patients. I see. So more integration of Eastern and Western medicine, or at least a discussion about alternative therapy options. Nishi, I know it's a lot of work trying to make sense of all this information and weighing all the options, trying to customize it to your beliefs and preferences, and then sharing it with others on their own cancer journey. Is this the reason why you created the Cancer Support Net Group in the UK? Yeah, I mean, I just found that there were so many people that just didn't get relevant information for their journey that they're on. So, you know, I'm not I'm not a doctor and I'm, I'm not an oncologist and I don't put myself out there as a, a medical professional. But what I am is on this journey with my mum and my family. And I'm just like what I've done with the book is I just try to put it all in a a nice, easy to read format. So your everyday average person can pick it up and say, look, I might be able to use curcumin. So I'm just trying to help people on their journey. So your experiences, you put them together in a book. And I know it takes a lot of work to publish something. So congratulations. What kind of information did you include in your book? Can you give us a sampling? Um, so I've, I've got a list of questions of what to ask the oncologist initially. Um, because I know there's a lot of people that have reached out and said they've just gone to their their appointment blind. Um, and then you walk away and then you've got to wait another month for that appointment to come through. 
So that when first diagnosed, we had a list of questions. So I just shared that list of questions. Um, there are other things in the book, such as, so if we're going away from the alternative medicine, um, never giving up hope. So I've got a, a chapter that says, don't give up. So although I'm providing all this information on, on how you can get through your journey, um, and that it, it can lead to end of life quite rapidly, don't give up because you can, you can work through it. And if you're not, if, if you are at the end, make your plans. There's a chapter on making plans um have fun you know there's there's a lot of things so i think that people go through this journey and they go right I'm, they're all trying to live they they want to live that extra year but they're having an absolutely terrible time doing it so i've i've covered off things like um to try not to forget to have fun whilst you can enjoy the beauty of life um whilst you've got the opportunity to do so remain hopeful that it may your disease may regress um but still remain aware that your story can um, give hope to other people and you can live a couple of years past your prognosis and you can see your grandkids or your daughter get married uh, you know it's just it's that kind of stuff that's in the book so make sure you make those plans understand what plans you need to make what are other projects you're excited about i've also created something called um my healing journey my healing plan sorry which is a journal that i created for my mum so that we can kind of track what it is that she's going through and in it, it's got actions. So for your mind, body, spirituality, and soul. So any actions that she had um, to help her on her journey that would help her to, that we could look back on in six months and say, was there anything that she wanted to do? So she wanted to learn to meditate. So that was in the mind section. It was just a, a real breakdown for anyone that's got on, a, on any kind of healing journey. We can write down your goals and stick to it. And then you can write your appointments in it. I don't know. I feel that I've kind of become this... Um, this cancer supporter where everything's kind of immersed into it. But yeah. Yeah. This, this, my healing journey, is this a book that you can buy or is it an app or is it a, a template? Like how do we, how does someone find out more about that? Oh, so it's called, it's my healing plan. Um, it's a journal written for people, people who are healing through health, heartbreak or loss. Um, it will be available soon. It's quite, I've, I've just got the prototype. Oh, that's exciting. We'll keep our eyes out for that. I'm I'm curious because it, you've re it sounds like I get the impression you've really been able to get into the driver's seat of your journey, and I wonder if you feel like that has made a difference for your mother's experience. I think that it probably has because how I've kind of managed it is I've I've provided her. I've gone out there. I've done the research, and then I've provided her with the options that are available to her. And I think it's really helped her because she doesn't, she's not, she's old school, you know, she's late 60s. She doesn't want to go out there and use the internet and uh, go on the Google, you know, <laughs> it's all, it's all that stuff that they, they don't really want to do. They're not very techie. So I've kind of, I think it's really helped her journey because I think otherwise she just would have went, went along with what the oncologist said. I doubt she would have got a second opinion. Um, and I doubt that she, she would be using all these various other supplements and herbs and everything else that we've we've managed to implement into her regime and her protocol. Um, and I personally think that a lot of the things that we have implemented has helped her with her quality of life um, and helped her to kind of still be able to take her grandchildren out alone. I mean, she's a bit wobbly, but she's able to still do those things that she wants to do and she loves and she enjoys. So I think that my role has helped her and I think she's appreciated it as well because it's taken away a lot of the um, the nervousness of having to research something that is so scary and daunting. And I've tried to be really matter of fact with it to say, look, this could be good work, this may not, or this is rubbish. 
um, or it's or it's brilliant. So I'd I'd like to think that my role has been helpful for her. So what is the benefit of being prepared? I mean, do you think there's been an impact on your stepdad and your sisters? It's changed everyone's perception of what they should be doing. So everyone's made more time to spend with my mum. So me and my sister, we make sure that we see my mum a couple of times a week. She gets to spend time with the children because she's obsessed with the grandkids. Um, she gets annoyed if she can't see them. So we make sure that she's able to do that. She's never stuck at home. Um, I know my brother's going to see her on Sunday. So it's just making sure that everybody is aware of what's going on and everyone makes the time because you know what life, as you know, life isn't promised to any of us. And it's just, it infuriates, infuriates me that so many people forget this. So it's not, it's not necessarily because of cancer, you know, someone could drop down dead tomorrow and they've not appreciated everything that they've got. So it's just, I've, I've always just tried to speak to them and say, look, can we all rally around? So me and my sister have both said, make sure that we rally around mum, give her what she wants, let her have, let her have a great life while she can. And I think, I think that's just what is the important element to everything, not just cancer sufferers or, or people that have a disease. It's just in general, people need to rally around a little bit more and, um, appreciate and love i sound very hippie <laughs> no you know what i everything you're saying is really resonating with me because that is what it's about right that's just why um i i think i've got drawn to this field because it is when you have a health scare everything changes forevermore and for everybody around them and there is still this piece of you have to live and when you talk about um really appreciating the time like i wish that i could have gone back in time and really understood what was happening with my own mother when she was dying of breast cancer and really taking the time to to appreciate that instead we were so caught up in the busyness of of the treatment and the chemo and the go to the appointments and get another round and keep getting treatment because the, surely the treatment is going to work right which is kind of i don't want to say the old-fashioned way but it is a very medical view of what illness is and if you don't work to get out of that cycle, you will get swept away in it. So I, I really, I really, um, what you're saying really resonates. Um, do you, do you have any, uh, you know, I had this question, you know, we, we found like when we created this podcast, we had information you wanted to put out there and hopefully help others. But we've learned that we've learned a lot from our listeners and what they've written back and the kind of interviews we're doing. So I'm just curious, do you feel like you have learned also, what things have you learned from your community, this cancer support network? And by putting out this book and by putting out this Instagram, have you also gained something from this experience of doing this? Yeah, I've gained so much from doing this. I mean, I speak to people every day now that are on this journey that is just horrendous. Um, you know, I've, I, I was obviously going through my own journey with my mum, but I'm thankfully it's, I'm not I'm not the one having to go for chemo and having to evaluate my life and lose my hair. And I'm speaking to so many people now that are, that are having to go through this. And it is just, it, they're inspirational. These people are, they, this is their life. And they are way more inspirational than anyone else I've ever spoken to. The way that a lot of these cancer sufferers are um, taking the ball by the horns and taking charge of their life and trying to ride the driver's seat whilst trying to battle off families and, you know, live, still live that life and act normal. Um, it's the strength behind cancer sufferers is so diluted and not seen by us all. Um, so I've just been really, really inspired and quite happy that, I, I mean, I'm not happy that I'm on this journey and, and I've written this particular book, 
but I'm happy that I'm able to share my own experiences with some of my followers and the people that have read my book because I feel that I'm making a difference and I'm helping others, um, which is what we're here to do, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's why it's so important to not rely solely on the health system to catch you. You have to take the driver's seat and realize, okay, they don't, you know, they're not selling what I'm looking for. So I'm going somewhere, you know, either going somewhere else or I'm going to another store to also get some other stuff too. So, so I think that's good. My final question is this all started with, with um, people saying, I wish I had, uh, I'd known that sooner. And why didn't someone tell me that? So I know you wrote this book, right? A cancer diagnosis published under ND London, but what advice do you have for new people starting this journey? Is there one piece of advice that you think that um, you would say if you just met someone for the first time? Try to make your decisions objectively, um, just because there's so many emotions involved and other people's opinions involved in the decisions that are made. Um, I know that when my mum was diagnosed with cancer, every single person, every every woman and his, every man and his wife had an opinion on on the route that she should take. Um, so I think the best thing to do is take that information, sit with it, go away, look at it and review it objectively and then make the decisions for yourself. Because otherwise, if it doesn't work out, you subconsciously, you may blame the other person or the other person may not know what they're doing. If you are in complete, the best thing to do is to take as much control as possible um, so that you know what why you're doing what it is that you're doing. I love it. That's exactly what this is all about, making the journey yours and, and knowing that you have an active role in it. So that's wonderful. Nishi, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I've really appreciated talking to you. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website, waitingroomrevolution.com to listen to our first season about the seven keys and to learn more. The podcast is produced and edited by me, Kayla McMillan. Our theme music is Maypole by Ketza. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and help us get the word out.